Right. And the big thing is, you know, I was, you know, for lack of a better word, indoctrinated into the corporate culture of work-life balance and give, 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 um, you know, of your body almost until you break. Uh, but very regimented, very, very scheduled, right? Um, you know, kind of punch in, punch out type mentality that a lot of offices and companies have. So breaking that cycle for me was, you know, a pretty, a pretty difficult one because I'm very structured by nature. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Money Talkers. I've got Brandon Garrett here with me today. Uh, he is the owner and founder of the Closers Club, the international high ticket sales organization. Uh, Brandon was in corporate for about 15 years across multiple industries, really high high achiever. Um, now as an entrepreneur, he brings his experience to help and inspire others to take actions needed to create the life of their dreams. He's uh, he's a father, he's a husband, and uh, he's an entrepreneur. So I want to welcome to the show, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Cody. Great to be here. Excellent, man. And uh, so I guess one of the quick things I want to jump into with you that kind of sparks interest for me is what made you pull the trigger to leave corporate life uh, to go on the crazy journey of entrepreneurship? Oh, wow. Uh, it's a really good question. I, I think a lot of us have kind of probably experienced a similar story, so I'm probably not special in that regard. I was in corporate for you know, 15 years, at various companies, various you know, levels of leadership position. Uh, eventually, it just, enough was enough, right? Uh, you know, my kids were getting older, starting to get into activities at school, um, you know, with, from manufacturing to retail, those are, you know, very high demanding environments. Uh, as far as your schedule goes, your time goes, and I didn't want to not be present for them and just the, the continual pile on of, you know, unreasonable expectations despite the, the results that you give and like, you know what, if, if I'm going to make the leap, I need to make the leap. I had a, a supportive spouse at the time. I wanted to do it ever since I was a little kid. You know, I was the kid that mowed a hole the yards for the old ladies in the neighborhood and trimmed their bushes and all that stuff. Shoveled sidewalks. I was like, you know what, if, if I'm going to be working like this, I, I might as well be working like this for, for myself. So, kind of so was that hard? Con, was that hard considering the family there? Um, you know, cause having kids and making that leap and saying, okay, cause it is a bit of a sink or swim, you know, and that's, that's, I think mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people, that's what holds them at the job that they don't like, you know? Right. And so what were those kind of internal conversations you were having? Um, I would say it was probably a six month to year long kind of wrestling with, with myself. I would say at least six months before I even entertained the conversation with uh, my wife. Um, thankfully, you know, she'd seen when I was capable of very supportive 
uh, in terms of, you know, if that's what you want to go do, yeah, we can do it. Um, she's a clinic manager, physical therapist, clinical manager, so she does make, you know, good money. Uh, but I'd be lying if I said the last two years haven't been, you know, a huge humbling experience and struggle in terms of mindset, learning, and just like you talked about, you know, all the stuff that goes into that. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, I'd have probably made the decision a lot sooner, for sure. So um, in, in mentioning that, what kind, of, uh, what kind of things, if you don't mind sharing, have you gone through with that, with being mindset and humbled and those kinds of things? Because um, it is part of entrepreneurship, it's at least successful entrepreneurship, I would say. Right. Uh, the big thing is, you know, I was, you know, for lack of a better word, indoctrinated into the corporate culture of work-life balance and give, 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 um, you know, of your body almost until you break. Uh, but very regimented, very, very scheduled, right? Um, you know, kind of punch in, punch out type mentality that a lot of offices and companies have. So breaking that cycle for me was, you know, a pretty, a pretty difficult one because I'm very structured by nature um, and, and want to have that you know, day-to-day consistency. So finding something, creating something that worked for me around my life, that shift to building my, my work around my life versus my life around my work was a huge, a huge, huge change because I'd spent so long, you know, that's how I grew up too. You know, dad, dad worked, you know, those kind of hours, grandpa worked those kind of hours. Um, so it was like this generational indoctrination and it, it was tough. Uh, that was probably the biggest, the biggest learning that I had to overcome. I would say, you know, for me, I know that uh, it's almost like, well, I was there from eight to five, so I've been working hard, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, you leave the corporate world and like, I was there from eight to five. I worked hard today. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and then becoming an entrepreneur, it's almost like, well, you may only work from eight to 10, but you had better make those two hours just so impactful. Right. You know, and, and that mindset shift of, I need to be here to punch in and punch out the clock, like you mentioned to what am I going to do that makes a big difference? Right. And for me personally, that struggle was more of accepting the, the value of the work, the value of the time that I could, the work that I could put into that time frame. If it's, you know, if I've got three or four high impactful hours because you know, I got to take a kid, the sick kid to the doctor or whatever it may be, accepting that, and letting it go because I, you know, I'm the kind of person, even when I was working at corporate, like kids go to bed, laptops coming back out. I'm looking at reports. I'm playing, you know, I'm, that's just how I am. So yep. to break away from that. And so I could have that control that I wanted. It's really tough. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, it's exceptionally difficult, especially, you know, and it's a weird thing is that you don't have other people necessarily that dictate, when they need your time. So like you don't have an accounting department that has to have a certain report done by whenever. Now you're the one making the report to turn it into yourself, right? <laughs> and, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> you know? and so um, that, for me, that's, that's uh, and, and then also I would say there's, there's another part to it that um, I found is that it, it becomes a little weird that it's not um, like structured associates, I guess would be a good way to put that where you kind of build a, you know, a relationship of people that you have to be around and all of a sudden you don't have to be around people that, but it's also a little bit of a struggle with that. You know, for me, it was anyway. Right. Yeah. Me too. You know, where you have those lunches and yeah, well you've got lunches and you've got, you know, people that you kind of know that you kind of forced to be friends with, but you still have people around you. 
you know, and then you're going to go, you're like, okay, well, uh, depending on whether you go to a home office or like this time around, I'm in a home office. So, uh, mm -hmm. I ended up having to rent, um, a desk in a shared community office because I needed to be around people because I couldn't, you know, it, I needed it's some, something in me needed to have some of that energy around me and that separation, mm -hmm. you know, right. from the, from the house and from there. Yep. So I agree that environment's very, very powerful. I mean, I'm, I've in my, I, you know, I've got a rented office space too, for that very reason. Yeah. I've got a home office because you know, my corporate corporate positions, you know, I had a designated office day each week to plan the week, you know, worked on the business, so to speak. Uh, and, and while I like having that, I mean, there's something for having said, having an intentionally set up environment away from home, um, especially when that's your full-time type gig now. You know, it's yep. a little bit different when, oh, just one day a week, this is my office day, I'm going to go in and plan out what I'm going to do versus being in there every day. Yeah, uh, it, It's a huge, a huge energy shift difference. And that is so important for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I, and for me, it's helped me organize the... Um, you know, I'm a big Stephen Covey fan. And so uh, the seven highlights of how you successful people. But one of the main ones is putting first things first, right? And so really honestly determining what's going to move the needle. And I found in the corporate life, like it was a whole bunch of tasks, but not a lot of needle moving things. Because as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you have to focus on needle moving, you know, you have to what's okay, what's going to be the most impactful thing I can do today. And as long as I get that one thing or two things done, Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I now at this point, like I feel like I've, I'm, I'm, I get much bigger strides than if, um, you know, it was, it, it was the other way around, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, and so, absolutely. And so, um, so how how have you changed the balance between with yourself and family? Like, as far as from coming from corporate world and coming into the entrepreneurship, was it what you thought it was going to be? Uh. At for during that, that during that growth period, you know, absolutely not. That was you know very tumultuous, mostly for me, uh, you know, trying to break that that program that that's running in my brain of you know, hey, I got to be nine to five. Um, now that I've gone through that period, you know, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more fluid. Uh, you know, I'm still encouraging myself to, hey, it's 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 ten o'clock. Put the laptop away. You know, kind of deal. Um, you, when you do have those times, I'm, I'm trying to learn more about how to manage my energy better in terms of not forcing myself to work for the sake of working, being self-aware, kind of like, you know, you, you'll hear fitness coaches talking about, you know, just because it's six o'clock and it's dinner time, you're not hungry. You don't necessarily need to put food in your body because you, your body's not giving you a signal that you need to eat. For entrepreneurs, like it's the same way. I think like if you've got that moment of inspiration, you've got that pop of energy, if it's two o'clock in the morning, like knock it out, but have the, but have the awareness and discipline that, okay, this is with the 45 minute task that I wanted to get done. It's done. Put it away and move on um, and not try to beat yourself up so much times when you get up in the middle of the day, it's a grind. You're like, oh, I haven't gotten anything done this morning. Like, let it go, you know, acknowledge that, but understand you're going to have it swing back the other way, right? You're going to have that boost in the afternoon and just make hay when you can. Um, and give yourself that grace. I think as entrepreneurs, we tend to be very, very hard on ourselves when it comes to things like that. And for good reason. But I think a little self-awareness and a little grace will go a long way. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. Um, we do, we do, uh, we are definitely our biggest critics usually. Um, especially, well, if you want to be high performing, you almost have to. I think a lot of it has come mm -hmm. from being athletes and yep. a lot of military and that kind of things because you have to have that self-drive. And so, um, 
I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. And so one of the things that uh, you had mentioned to me uh, is that you help others take action that's uh, needed to help them create the life of their dreams. And so can you kind of talk around like what you do with that? Yeah. So, you know, with, within, you know, closers club, you know, we do a lot of different, you know, sales consulting on different products and services, but at the end of the day, regardless of that in life, everything you want is on the other side of a decision that you're going to make. And most of the time it's going to be outside of your comfort zone. What you really, really want to accomplish. If it was in your comfort zone, you've already, you'd already done it because you're okay with it. So if there's something that you're want, wanting to achieve or a problem you're trying to get rid of, that achievement, that process, that solution is going to be outside your comfort zone. And whether it's limiting beliefs about, you know, money, like we, we, you know, we're going to talk about later on the show, you know, about self-esteem, you know, whatever it is, you know, having open dialogue, asking the right questions to help a person understand, okay, this is the situation that I'm in and the thinking that's gotten me here. I need to think differently in order to get outside of that. And these are the steps that I need to take. Ultimately, that's how you make that impact. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it was Einstein said that, right? When he say uh, yeah. you can't solve the same level, you can't you can't uh, solve the problems with the same level of thinking that brought you the problems, or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Exactly. <laughs> and and, and the thing too, and I shared this with uh, with our leadership team just just the other day. I, as entrepreneurs, inherently, we're growth minded, so we want to get from you know, if we're a startup, we want to get from zero to to six figures, or from six to seven, whatever it is that took a certain level of skill that took a certain level of beliefs, a certain type of action, habit, behavior. And what got you to that point is not going to get you to the next one. So you've got to be willing to empty your cup and move on from that. So you can receive more information. Um, I was listening to, uh, uh, I think a podcast just the other day, uh, another buddy of mine, and he was talking about uh, a Bruce Lee story uh, with one of the students where he's pouring hot tea into the cup and the hot tea is just, you know, running over and over and over and burning the students' hands, right? And the students like, no, I, you know, that, that's enough. And Bruce is like, is your cup full? Because if your cup is full, I can't teach you anything. And so that is what, you know, important with entrepreneurship is, you know, as you continue to grow and create something from nothing, because that's what we're all doing in some, for, in some fashion, you've got to be willing to empty your cup and learn something new and continue to grow. So I would challenge you this then is how are you doing that? How are you, uh, how are you making a bigger cup or how are you making, you know, how are you getting a new cup? I guess that would be the question to say, <laughs> right? right? Like really how do you, good, really good question. as you run into those walls along the growth curve and they're absolutely there because, you know, we say the same level of thinking won't solve the same level of problems. And I would mm-hmm. flip that in business to say that, um, the same level of structure and the same level of uh, tasks will not, you know, coincide with the same level of revenues, you know? Right. Right. So, so, you know, for me, I, I I think that's, there's a lot of things and there's not going to be a one size fits all solution for everybody. But the first thing I would say, that that is universal across all people is you've got to find a way to take care of yourself. Self-care is super important and you need to start your day off with that even if it's only 15 minutes, you know, it, it, you can do an hour or two, you know, whatever it is, but have some sort of morning practice, morning ritual, routine, whatever you want to call it, that allows you to center within yourself, empty your mind, process things, all of that that goes on, you know, whether it's meditation or yoga, Qigong, whatever it is, you know, coffee sitting on the porch and reading the, you know, just 
reading nature, you know, whatever it may be, carve that time out. Because if you don't make the time for the stillness, you're not making any effort at all towards emptying your cup because you're just allowing the input to play out and play out and play out. You need to find that stillness. And the best time I have found to do that is the very first thing of the day. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really important. That's, that's where I know as an entrepreneur in my last go around, you know, I was pushing 70 hours a week, easy. And, uh, I never left. Like my partner and I, we were five years in before we went to lunch together, right? Most, both, most days we didn't even leave for lunch. Okay. We usually ordered in and we, we never wanted to leave because we had so many employees and so many problems and we're like, we're going to miss a deal. We're going to miss a sale. And, uh, and when we, when I quit, I started going to the gym again and in an, in an hour a day and I was listening to really good content, really good videos, really good YouTube and, and, you know, podcasts and things. And my brain exploded with ideas and not just of like, but for the business that I had a year and a half ago, you know, and I was, I was really kind of disappointed that I never took that break to allow my creative brain to work and to solve problems away from problems. Like, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that, you know, it's kind of like what you're talking about where you can, you can empty your mind for 15 minutes and you'll be really, really surprised of what comes up in it. Right. I completely agree. Yeah. And everybody talks about it. Some of the most successful people talk about, I mean, yeah, you, you know, easy go-to is Warren Buffett. He sits in his office and reads all day and people say, Oh, well, that's because he's Warren Buffett. You know, he's worth you know 85 or $90 billion. Well, the behavior is what got him to that point. It didn't, he didn't develop that behavior at that afterwards. You know, Bill Gates is another one. I just watched a, a documentary on uh, Bill Gates. You know, he takes, you know, weeks, um, during the summer and goes out to a little cabin and just reads and thinks and you know all the stuff that he doesn't even take his wife with him like she's not allowed to come like he just <laughs> grabs he grabs a bag of books and goes and it's just like a little one room cabin and that's all he does for weeks during the summer and he does that every year like there is something to be said for that that stillness time you, you've got to you've got to get everything out of here in here out so you can fill it back up like you said with new information and allow your mind to expand yeah yeah when the noise isn't there and um and you know you're you're focusing on um your thought processes and you're just allowing your brain it's not really like you're sitting down to try and solve a problem but you're actually coming up with the problems that you should the questions that you should be asking about the business in the first place Mm -hmm. and seeing it from an outside point of view because when you're in the thick of it that old saying about you can't see the forest and the trees is really true. <laughs> and and <laughs> yes, it's almost, it yeah, it's almost scary. And, uh, and when you get outside of it and you see all the trees and you're like, or you see all the forest and you're like, Whoa, like I, I can't believe I wasn't able to, you know, and, and, and that feeling of like, okay, there's also other parts where I know as an entrepreneur and in the corporate world, like you just feel that stress on top of you and mm-hmm. you feel like you can't solve anything because you're dealing with everything. And those, for me, that clearing time helps me decide what I should be worried about and what right. I should be tackling. That's that the rest of the stuff is noise. Absolutely. And, I, and you touched on something that's very, very important. Having that quiet time brings clarity. And one of the things you'll get clarity about, at least I know that I have, is a much clearer distinction on you know, all these things that we juggle. I liken some of them, it's, you know, very cliche, but it's a good analogy. 
you've got rubber balls and you've got glass balls and you're juggling all these things all at the same time. You've got to have that quiet time to have that clarity to learn, is this really a glass ball? Is this really, really, truly a glass ball? Because if it is, well, then that's one I don't want to drop. But if you don't take that time, you're going to see everything as a glass ball. Everything is a number one priority. Most things in life, if you really take that quiet time, you're going to be like, that's a rubber ball. Okay, I can, you know, I can deal with that and come back to it. It'll bounce back. Glass balls, not so much. Yeah, I would say there's one other one in there that uh, I've never heard that analogy before, but I really like it. But I would say there's one other one in there, and that's uh, I don't know what kind of ball it would be, but it's worrying about problems that you don't have, right? <laughs> Which is a major mind drain. So mm -hmm. instead of instead of solving the problems that you do have, you're worried about the ones that you think you could have down the road with the business. And there's one thing to be said for planning, but that's a time you set aside. But a lot of us, you know, people worry about well, what happens if, and what happens if, what happens if, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, it's just eating your, your, uh, you know, your brain only has so much capacity and time. So it's just eating that parts away from what you could be doing to actually take action on the problems you really do have. Yes. A hundred percent agree. And that's a very important distinction. The, the, the morning routine that I'm talking about is not think time. It's not, you know, bat cave time, you know, whatever you may call it. That's separate time. That needs to be separate time that you carve out because that's intentional. Okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think about this problem. And I've got a series of questions that I ask myself to help me get through it. That's completely different. Um, and it, it takes awareness to make sure you don't fall into that trap of letting your morning routine become that think time because then that defeats the entire purpose. Well, I'm really glad you, uh, I'm really glad you said that because, um, that's a hundred percent. I believe that a hundred percent is that you, you have to just, you don't know the problems you should be solved. Like you shouldn't be sitting out there trying to solve the problems that you have. You should literally just be trying to just clear your mind, take some breathing exercises and mm -hmm. items will kind of appear to you. And so I think that the, um, I think the worry balls are probably imaginary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. So you've got glass ones, you've got rubber ones, and then you've got imaginary ones that are just eating your time, but aren't really solving anything. Right. Yep. <laughs> so I was thinking yep. about that, but, um, <laughs> and so, uh, as, as parents, how do you, so how do you kind of address those kind of situations with your kids? Like, do you do morning routines with them? Do you talk to them about these things? Like as an, as an entrepreneur, I know for me, it's, I, I, naturally talk about a lot of this stuff and I really enjoy it with my kids but um what about for you and your family yeah definitely we you know we make it a point to, to have age-appropriate conversations and you know they've been here during the transition so when their mom and I first started dating I was the corporate guy uh you know with multiple multiple roles multiple responsibilities always going you know had the phone had the like the whole bit so they've been part of this transition so initially two phones? yeah did you ever go two phones yeah, 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 yeah. Personal in the, in the company cell phone. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just give me a stipend. Like, why do I gotta have two for? And then you'd have your team calling or texting one and not the other. And yeah, and the blackberries, um, the blackberries, you know, it's <laughs> size yeah. of a book on the side of your hip. You had to get the hip container like a like a holster. Yeah. yeah. Like a briefcase for your phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fourteen yeah, passwords but, to get into it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so they've been they've been here through that transition, and initially, um, you know, because they're a little bit older, so that that initial programming that children go through the first seven or eight years, um, you know, was already set in place. So, a lot of initial pushback that even we as adults give, you know, um, because that's what children do anyway, and even we as, like I said, 
we as adults do that. But now as the year, you know, the first year has turned into two going into three and our lives are really starting to change, you know, they're seeing the value in, hey, you know, daddy wasn't kidding. He's, he's doing these things and these things are happening like he said they would. Maybe we need to listen. So, um, you know, we, we do have them on some, some structure and routines of, you know, right now, you know, they have to share a bathroom, which for two teenage girls or any entrepreneur or parent out there, bite the bullet, get a house with an additional bathroom for your teenage daughters. I'm just going to throw that out there. Free <laughs> gift, my free gift to you. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, one, we have that, that, that morning routine for them as, you know, as far as who, who's doing what task in the morning, you know, breakfast, that also to minimize that, you know, that sisterly love that they like to share with each other. Um, but we're slowly starting to work into, um, during the car rides, as they both go to private school, pre-frame, teaching them how to pre-frame their day, um, you know, having, setting positive intention and positive expectation for the day of, you know, what good thing is going to happen today or what, you know, what good thing can you go do today? The questions like that to get them to think. Uh, every once in a while, they'll, they're, they're up for meditation. Normally, they're not very open to doing it first thing in the morning. Um, every once in a while, they'll sit, you know, for five or 10 minutes and, and listen and, and do that that's a challenge for any, for any, anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not normal, especially, you know, especially children, if they haven't grown up with that. Um, but they know that, you know, mom and I do it, you know, pretty religiously and, and some other things in the morning, they're starting to see the benefit of that. So they're opening up to it more. Uh, we just, you know, you got to show that that's what kids want. They don't, they don't, more than anything, they don't listen so much to what you say. If you're a parent, you haven't figured that out yet. You don't have, you must not have a teenager or a toddler. Uh, but uh, they, they watch what you do. And when you're getting the results that you say you're going to get, that carries more weight with a kid than anybody. Yeah. Well said. The, uh, the, the point to, I know thinking about that is that they, they kind of have to, I would say, I don't know. And I don't have teenagers yet, but I would think that like just any young person and knowing myself when I was a young person, um, you kind of have to have them want to come explore things. I don't think you can force it upon them, you know, and say, Hey, you know, sit down and meditate type deal. Um, you know, it, I think it'd be tough to force that along with them as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I agree with you 100% that they're, they're watching the actions and then they're watching um, the intentionalities that you have and then seeing the results. That's a lot more gravitational to, hey, listen, this is why it's going to benefit you. You know, I think as a kid, you don't really think too much about what benefits me. You know, it's like what I want to do. And, and, and seeing, seeing that, right. you've, you know, seeing that you've uh, wanted to, uh, you know, seeing that you've taken those steps and, and they've been along for that journey uh, will probably leave a lot bigger impact than anything you possibly say. Right. Yep. I agree. You know? Um, and so uh, ha- have you had, um, I mean, ha- has the family life changed? Like, do you have uh, planning techniques that you use now with being uh, entrepreneurial? And then I think you mentioned earlier, one of the biggest changes was, kind of taking business first, family second to family first, business second. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just mean like you're kind of forced to in the corporate world. Like you don't get the optionality of like, I'm going to take off 12 to two because they have a volleyball match or, you know, whatever it is, you know, now you kind of do and you have to reschedule that that shuffle around. Um, Have you noticed any kind of uh, what kind of outcomes have come from that? Um, The girls definitely dig it uh, because it's been advantageous for them at times uh, when there's been, you know, like, we're we're a big thing a big thing that's going on right now in our lives right now is we're we're going to be moving this summer 
um, to a new city, new state, great new opportunity, new house, schools, like the whole nine yards. And that's, you know, as a result of a lot of the things that we've, we've all as a family been working towards. Um, so being where, able where to, you guys moving say, to? Hey, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Okay. South of Nashville. Yeah. Cool. It's awesome stuff. Um, they're super excited, but you know, we, they, we, um, just pulled them out of school a couple of weeks ago for two days to go down there so they could see the area, look at the house we're potentially looking at and go see the school, like all of that. Um, and there's been other opportunities where if it's enriching inside outside of what they're going to be doing at school, you know, we're willing, we're willing to do that. And I have that flexibility um, to, to do that. Or if there's a, a, you know, a choir concert or something, you know, I, I'm able to, to go because as long as I know ahead of time, they don't do the typical kid thing of, Hey, daddy, I got X tomorrow at like two o'clock. Well, you know, which I can always reschedule a call if need be. Um, but they see that, you know, because they, they, they don't necessarily always get that um, otherwise from, from their, from other people involved in their lives. So yeah. it's a big, for me, that's a big deal. And I know it is for them. Yeah. I would tell you, um, you know, I'll just tell you a quick story, but uh, I was really never home before like seven o'clock at night and with my daughter growing up. And I started uh, at the position at the dealerships uh, two months before she was born. So literally her whole life, you know, and I worked Saturdays and Sundays sometimes. And, but I, when I was with them, I was very intentional. So I, I was present a lot. And when I was there, I was present, but um, time-wise uh, I, when I had quit, I was home for, I want to say a month. And I went to an hour away from here uh, to get some AirPods fixed and whatever. And long story short, Apple messed it up and I was there all day. And oh, I, I started driving home, you know, I'm driving home and it's like, uh, it's like six o'clock and my phone rings in my truck and my, you know, I answer the phone and my daughter is just literally bawling and I can't really understand what she's saying. And I'm driving and I'm like, is everything okay? You know, is everything? And she goes, she's like, yes. And I'm like, I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, where are you? You know, and she's sobbing. She's like, where are you? You're not home. And I'm like, I mean, you want to talk about dad tears, man. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy cow. Cause like she had and in one month had reprogrammed when I'm supposed to be home to her compared to her whole life, you know, right. where I wasn't home before seven o'clock, like here it was six o'clock and she was bawling. Cause I was usually, I would been picking her up from school every day, you know, uh, for the, for that month. Um, and taking her to school in the morning and being there and playing with her in the afternoons. And like, I mean, man, what a mindset, just <laughs> mess I was, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was extremely fortunate and happy because I had made that decision based on that with them. Because I said, man, I'm, they're only going to be little for so long and I'm going to hang the moon for them right now. Like my son just turned six and like, mm -hmm. that's my, that's my buddy, you know? And right. so, uh, and then same thing for my daughter. And so I've been, you know, uh, very blessed in that part of it, but I think I didn't realize, you know, they, they the kids are never going to be like, wow, I wish I had less time with you, you know? Right. And right. so that's really important, really cool that you can kind of do those things and, and, and leave with that kind of freedom and say, okay, you know what, we're going to go out of school for two days and go down to Tennessee and we're going to go look at houses and do that kind of stuff. And uh, I think with your background being so long in the corporate world that like you appreciate those things so much more. Oh, yeah, I, I, I know I do. I, you know, obviously can't, can't speak for anybody else, but yeah, not knowing that had I not made that decision, those kind of things wouldn't be possible. And growing up, um, you know, you know, in a very similar situation with dad that worked very, very hard um, to give me and, you know, my brother, you know, whatever we wanted to do within, within reason, um, you know, not, not that my dad wasn't around, but 
I can look back now as a parent and be like, you know, I know how I understand how much my dad really was working and the opportunities when he could have been there, but didn't because he was doing that. So yeah. I could do the thing that I was there doing at the time. Um, you know, that really, you know, hits me quite often as a parent now. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I would agree too um, that, you know, there was a, a massive time of appreciation that kind of came over me in my twenties, realizing what my dad had done for me you know, when I was in school and how hard he'd worked and put these things in front of me and been there and done these things. And so like, uh, you know, I, I think that as parents, we need to remember that at some point we usually have that appreciation factor of our parents trying hard and then realizing that I probably, I know personally, I probably wasn't the most appreciative as a kid about it. Right. (laughs) You know, I think, I think we're all that way. And so as parents, I think we need to remember some of that when we have that pushback from the kids that at some point it's going to come back through there and, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to, they're going to realize what we did for them. Yep. You know, and Absolutely. I think that that's a grounding piece when we kind of get our like, man, what am I doing? You know, because you run through those head, those things in your head. And you're like, they don't even appreciate this. Are they spoiled? What am I doing for them? I didn't know you're going through all these like internal arguments in your head. Like, that's it. We're going completely minimalist. You know, it's like yep. tiny house. Hold on. It. Yeah, exactly. Tiny house. It's on. You guys are down. You think two bathrooms is bad? Try half. <laughs> you know? So, um. Listen, Garrett, I think Brandon, I'm sorry, Brandon. Um, we're gonna, uh, I think we're gonna wrap up there on that part for the main interview, and then uh, I want to have you back for the uh, high impact interview here shortly. But, um, listen, I really want to appreciate you bringing on your perspective and uh, and dropping all that kind of uh, just general knowledge. You, you dropped so many different things. I'm to listen to this to a couple times. Um, but listen, if they want to find more about you and they want to find out more about what you're doing, um, where, where can they, where can the Money Talkers audience find you at? So a couple different places, my personally, my, myself personally, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I don't do Instagram or any of that stuff. Um, you can find me and search my name, Brandon Garrett, or the insurance doctor and game over closers. Another way you can find me. Um, if you're interested about what closers club does, any of that stuff, you can check out closersclub.co.uk. Um, you know, we do a lot of charity work with our charity organization, life guided by light, which is life guided by light.co.uk. Um, and that's how you can find me. And if you're out there looking, check out hashtag help halo. It's a, uh, GoFundMe fundraiser for a disabled uh, veteran that had to have life-saving surgery, emergency surgery for his service dog, um, that we're raising funds for. So good stuff. Well, I know we didn't get into it too far in this conversation, but, uh, Brandon, you've been, um, an extremely big help with the money talkers podcast. And so I want to thank you with that as well. And just a general all around giving person. So make sure that you go and connect with Brandon because, uh, he's doing big things and there's a lot of stuff we could have got into, you know, as far as in the charity works and the, and those kind of things, but, um, well, maybe we'll have to have you back on. So <laughs> sounds but, good. Uh, been great. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing 
you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.